So here's what I want to say. The reason why we give Christmas gifts, I don't think most people even know this, but the reason why you give a gift at Christmas is because of the gift that God gave to us. That's how it started. You know, we think of it as these, all these other holidays and festivals and secular things and so on. But the fact of the matter was is that there's this impulse to give because of what's been given. Now, let's just make something clear, though. The thing that was given is the most amazing, incredible, surpassing thing that ever even could be given. God, the creator of all, the universe and everything else, and us included, God, who is omniscient, meaning all-knowing, omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, omnipresent, meaning everywhere present. God, in Christ, gave up those omnis, emptied himself of those godly attributes that he might come and live as one of us. And he did so for two reasons. We usually think of only the one, but the one that we always have to remember is he did so because there is a life that God wants us all to live that nobody's living, even now. And God wanted to show us what life could be. And if you want to know what the life that God has for every person, look at Jesus. It would look different in your life. You may even have a job. You may do all kinds of other things. But if you want to know what life could be like, look at Jesus. That's what Jesus, that's what God was doing, was showing us what life could be. But then there was this problem, right? And that's our sin. That's the fact that we have gone our own way. We had this incredible blessing and this place that God wanted us to go, but we chose to go our way. And so the other thing that God did, which just makes his gift, just God himself emptying himself and coming to us, that's the best gift. You couldn't think of a better gift until you get to this one. And what this one is, this is just unbelievable. The person that we hurt when we walked our own way. And don't understand the nature of the hurt. God made you and he had a special plan for you. Now think about this as a parent. I've got a plan for my child and you really do know best, unlike say a helicopter parent who thinks they might know best, right? But you really do know blessings that that child has never even thought of. And then you're walking them down this path to bring them into this incredible thing. And then what this kid does is they say, they don't even know what's there, but they go, nah, I'm gonna go my way. Now, when that happens, the way that I've said it, the one problem with that is it describes it accurately, but it downplays something, and that's this. How much that hurts. When you see Jesus on the cross with the flesh ripped, that's what it's signifying. It's signifying every person that ripped away from him. And when we made these choices, we're ripping away from him, and this is incredibly painful. And to think that that God is not repaying the pain that we inflict by inflicting pain on us, but is instead actually coming to take upon himself the consequences of that decision. He's the one that says, whatever you did, whatever the consequences are of that, whatever way you separated yourself, I'm going to take that upon myself. You're, I'm the one that, you know, God's the one that you harmed, and God is saying, I'm going to take the consequences of your decision on me, and then I'm going to take it in the grave and bury it forever. <laughs> and then anybody, so that's, that's right, like right there. Now, there's a second part of the gift. He shows us how to live, and then he takes away our sin. Unbelievable. But he doesn't quit there. Then he says, now I'm going to rise again, 
And when I rise, I'm going to rise new. And anybody who receives what I did for them in the grave, I'm going to touch him and I'm going to make him brand new. The nature that you had to go your own way, I'm going to take that out. I'm going to put my nature in you. God is going to put himself in you. <laughs> and he's going to make you want to follow him in that new nature. Now, just do the math here. How could you get a better gift than that? I mean, this, this, this is crazy. You couldn't even possibly get close to giving a gift like that back to God, no matter what you gave him, right? I want you to think about something. When you give, when we exchange, that's what we call it, exchanging gifts at Christmas. Now, sometimes you give a gift to somebody and we got it. You're just giving it to them. You don't expect anything. But most of the time, you're giving gift to somebody and you're giving a gift and then they're exchanging. Now, if what, if what, if what, this, if what I do, well, no, let's take it the other way. If what you do is, is you think about me, you pray about it, you suddenly come to understand something in the Lord about me, and then you go out and at time and finances, you figure out the perfect thing to give you, to give me. And then you give it to me. It's just really uncool if what I give you back is a $5 Starbucks card, <laughs> right? Showing no thought, little care, little love. Not to say that $5 Starbucks cards can't be loved, because somebody's giving those, and I don't want to make you feel bad. Okay? You see, that's what, even if you love coffee, all right? But still, even if you love coffee, it doesn't match the gift. Now, here's the point. If you, there is something that God wants from you, and he wants it, and we're going to talk about it in a moment, but there is something that God wants for you that you can give him, right? But let's do be clear about it. Even if you give him everything, it's still the widow's two pennies. Compared, particularly compared, to the immensity of the gift that has been given, right? It still is nothing compared. It may be a lot from your perspective, but it's still, it's just a drop in the bucket compared to the gift that was given. So what we do in this holiday is we celebrate this incredible gift that has been given that is totally ungivebackable. <laughs> you know, we can't repay in any way, shape, or form. And then I'm going to top it off for you here. Now watch this. So here's what happens. Even if you give God everything, right? You give him all of it. Then what he does is he says, oh, if you're going to give me everything, then I'm going to just pour down all this other stuff on you. <laughs> Besides all the stuff he's already given us. If you're going to receive what I gave to you and give back to me you, I'm going to pour down into you every day, not just every day, every minute of every day, I'm going to pour a gift back down into you. <laughs> he said like a $25 Starbucks card. It just keeps on giving. That gives you what, two cups of coffee at Starbucks now? You get it, right? You get it. The idea is, is the reason why we give is because of what he gave us, and we can't possibly match the gift. But what I really am going for is that last part. What's the part that he keeps pouring out? What's the nature of it? You already have some sense of it if you're a Christian. If you're not, really glad to have you here. You're going to love the sermon. But the bottom line is, is that when we start looking at what it is that he's pouring out, and we start understanding the depths of what it can be, as opposed to the depths of what we think it is, 
we start seeing that this gift is, you can't even think or imagine the depths of what it really is. So with that in mind, who's our prayer today? Gene Curtin, that is perfect. New member of the council, just, just a, an incredible couple, just love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, just, you guys are wonderful. What, a, what pillars you have become in this family. So would you pray for the sermon and would you lift up another church? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that uh, for those of us that may have walked in here with picking up or carrying things that uh, we don't want to, that we can lay them down and we can uh, be the little drummer boy that comes, doesn't feel like they have much, but you are an awesome father and you give us um, so much. So thank you that you can take and change our hearts into ones of gratitude and thankfulness and that with that you pour out into us and that uh, we can go into the maybe some of the darker places that we will be going to after this and tomorrow, filled with you and filled with your light. Thank you, Lord. I pray for um, the church at large that we would be receiving all of that you have. Amen. Not focusing on uh, circumstances and what we do or don't have, but um, just be in that attitude of gratitude. Amen. This season, Lord. Thank you. Amen. 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 That's perfect. Coming to appreciate all that he's actually given. So with that in mind, the scripture that we're in is the one that we were in last week. And it starts like this. Then that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast horde of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, the part of this passage that we're looking at is just this last little phrase. And then we're going to talk about two things about this just real briefly, one of them real quickly. I want you to look at that phrase right there and tell me who it's talking to. Because I think when you look at to all people and when you look at and the way that it's mostly interpreted, sang, and understood is that it's to everybody. Whether you're saved or not, it's to all people. God is pleased with all people. Now, there's a problem with that right? But just, there is a reason to think that that's true, and that's the right way to interpret it. I do want to say, though, most scholars, commentators, people that work on these things will tell you, it's not really saying that. What it's saying is, the way to read it is, peace on earth to those, a subset, the ones that God is pleased with. See that? That's what it's actually saying. But I want to say something about that, because I want to get the fullness of God out here. I want to say something. God is the consummate communicator. In the Greek, this is not clear as to which of those it actually is. It clearly can be either one. And whenever a thing can be either one, I want to recommend to you that it usually is both. That there really is, he really is saying, to those who receive what Jesus did, I am pleased, right? And I'm giving you peace, reconciliation, right? So that's what he's clearly saying on that level. But there's another level. 
Jesus Christ is not just for the people that receive what he did. The gift of Jesus Christ is for everybody, right? Whether you receive it or not is on you. But Jesus is not limited. It's not a limited atonement, as people will say in theology. It is for all, and his love is for all. And when someone doesn't receive what he did, it grieves him. It's the ripping away. It's the, I made you, and you, I gave you free will, but you, I'm going to honor that free will, but you've chosen to be separated from me, and that grieves him. Right? We've looked at these scriptures lately where he says, it doesn't give me any joy that a person should be judged, ever. It grieves me. And so I just want to tell you, keep that thought in your mind about a subset of things, because it's going to come back. But now let's look at the thing that's more important in this thing. When you look at the word pleased, there's a word that underlies that, of course. And the problem is, in English, not every language, but in most languages, it's actually a very difficult word to, to translate. And the reason why is because it carries so much more meaning than just pleased. For example, this is the NLT, which is a perfectly reasonable one, but let me just say English Standard Version. ESV is a very literal translation, and it uses the word pleased. But Holman Christian Standard Bible is another very literal translation, and it uses the word peace on earth to people he favors. Now think about that for a second, the difference between the word pleased and favor. There's a big difference between them. And the problem is, is that the word that underlies it means both of those. Whom he's pleased with, he favors. He favors those with whom he's pleased. There's this interplay in the word itself that has both of these concepts in a rich way. So what we're going to do in order to get to the bottom of what God was saying right here was is we're going to look at this in more depth. And when we take pleased and favored, and we start mixing them in a vat, and we start trying to understand what the fullness of this word is, we start to come to a place, and the place that we come to is, what is grace? Pleased and favored. You see how it fits? What is grace? Now, last week we looked at what is love. This week it's what is grace. And here's the, here's the simple definition, the one that we're using. There are others in more profound ways, but they all, they still boil down an equal, unmerited favor. Now, in order to get that down, where again, we're just, what we're doing is we're just going to go like this, and we're going to look at first unmerited. What does it mean that the favor, that the grace is unmerited? By the way, we're going to look at unmerited, we're going to look at favor, and then we're going to look at how come you need to know the definition of both because the interplay between the two is what actually gives you the concept of grace. So with that said, what does unmerited mean? Well, the first thing it means is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person has chosen to go their own way, ripped something off of him, caused a problem, separated themselves. Everybody has done this. Everybody has fallen short of what it is to be right with God. So having said that, we've disqualified ourselves. So the first level of unmerited is, I like to say, sin is stupid. And I, I like the spelling of that. Doesn't that help you understand what stupid means? <laughs> and I want you to think about this. Here's what sin is. Sin is you in the garden of Eden. And God has this waterfall of blessing. I mean, this continual waterfall of blessing that is just 
pouring down on you. And that blessing is his presence, his favor, his giftings, his, all of this stuff. He's just pouring it down on you. And you're in the middle of there. And here's why sin is stupid. It's you in the middle of all of that saying, I think I'll go over here. <laughs> and walking out from under that just blessing that's flowing down. You see it? So like I say, sin is stupid. And it gives rise to the first level of we are all sinners, and so we do not deserve his blessing. Right? You don't deserve it. You did something that disqualified you from the gift. In some way, you've disqualified, DQ, right? You're skiing and you missed the gate, you've DQ'd. You don't get to finish. You don't get the gold. But there's another level. There's always another level, isn't there? I hope that when, when I'm not preaching anymore and you're living your lives and, and everything else, I hope that one of the things you remember is there's always another level. So that no matter where you are, you'll dig in again and find another level. So with that in mind, all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. This is what we looked at last week. Now watch this, here's what's being said. Even if you're doing the plan that God had for you, you're on the right path. You didn't go your own way, you're going God's way. Even if you're doing the things that God wants you to do, you do so in this body of flesh which has to do with self, and that self pollutes the pure thing that he wanted you to do. So even though you're doing the right thing, it's not sin in the way we think of it, and it's not sin even in the way of just separation. It is, it's just that you've polluted it. You've made it something less than what he wanted, intended, or had for you. You see it? So what we've got is, is that all our righteous deeds are polluting things. So the second level of unmerited is we sully everything we touch, and so it's less than holy and pure. Unmerited. You sullied the thing. It DQ'd you again. Some fashion, right? Okay, now let's go to the third level. This is the one that we did in the introduction. We have not in any way, shape, or form earned what we've been given. Think about the word unmerited. What's the center of the word? Merit. Here's what merit means. You're a Boy Scout, and you have to, you're going for a merit badge in tying knots, it's all kinds of knots, which I can still do to this day with my eyes closed, thanks to my merit badge, where I learned how to tie knots, and then I passed the test on all the knots, and they gave me a badge, which I merited because I could tie all the knots. I earned the badge, right? Well, what we looked at in the, in the beginning was is you can't earn what God has given. It is so outsized. You can give him the two pennies, but it's just still two pennies compared to the, the storehouse of riches that is being poured down on you. You haven't earned anything, <laughs> right? Not really. Now, that's going to become very important in just one second, but let me just go on for a second because I want to hit this fourth level. Not only did you not earn it, but think about it. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first, grace or what we do? Because what the word says is, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Let me make this clear what this means. We're the ones, even today, that nail him to the cross. So it wasn't us first. It was, while we were nailing him to the cross, the truth was he was dying for the act of what we did to nail him to the cross. 
So we love, not because we loved and then he loved. We love because he loved. He loved first, and then we follow. You see it? Now, we can keep going on with this, but I think you get the point right now. And here's what I want to show you. You have to get great. In Christianity, you have to get great at how unmerited you are. Now, that's very difficult for a lot of people because there's a lot of people, and I mean it's about half of the people, have a, they just, they just don't process things in a disconnected fashion. Everything's sort of mixed. And what happens is, if you tell them that they did one thing wrong, it's very hard for them to admit that they did that thing wrong because to admit that they did anything wrong threatens everything about how they feel about themselves. In other words, they already kind of have, they can, this can happen in lots of different ways, but one way that it happens is, I already feel badly about myself enough that if I admit one more thing, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back and suddenly I'm worthless and I'm horrible and I don't deserve or earn anything and I'm just a lost case and nobody can love me, including God. See what I mean? So it's like the ego holding on. But you can go all the way up the continuum of this to this place. Is there anybody in here that just loves to find out what you did wrong? Is there anybody that just can't wait for somebody to point out how you screwed up? <laughs> right? I mean, we're just not built to love criticism. <laughs> Are we? Right? But here's what you have to get in order to really get where God wants you to be. You have to get good at radical unmeritedness. You have to get good at a paradox. You have value. And that value has nothing to do with you in any way, shape, or form, period. It doesn't matter how good you've done, how bad you've done, how much you've learned, how much you've grown. It doesn't matter. It is all paltry and nothing. And you have got to get to the place to where you understand how unmerited you are. Because that's the time in which you'll start understanding where your value comes from. He has said you're valuable for reasons that are quite apart from the ones that you would have named. You see it? Now, put a pin in that, because we're going to come back to it. We've looked at unmerited, and I said we're going to look at favor now, and then we're going to look at the contrast between them, and so this is coming back. But now watch. Now we're going to favor. Okay. Now, settle in for a second here, because i got to tell you a little story. Everybody knows what it's like to have a day where everything you touch is golden, right? Everything you touch just click, click, click. Everything works great. You get a bunch of things done. It's wonderful. You're living in the blessing. Everybody knows that day, I hope. If you don't, oh my gosh, I just come up afterwards and we'll all pray for you. But I want you to think about this. Everybody also knows it's opposite. The day where everything you touch turns to poop. <laughs> Right? Where it just is like, oh my gosh, this is so horrible. Everything, I, I should just go hide and wait for this day to end and pray that the next one will be better. Right? Well, I had one of those on Tuesday of this week. And I just, just to set it up properly, because this is all important, but it's a funny story. So I have been learning something just lately. God has told me, don't work till 8 o'clock. I've been trying to figure out how to get stress out of my life, how to, how to just live a different balance in my life and hours and so on and everything else. And he's been saying, don't work till 8 o'clock. And I've been doing really good on it. And frankly, it's making a huge difference in my life. I used to roll out of bed 5 o'clock 
with a thousand things going on in my head, go right to my emails, try and knock emails out so I can get to the important stuff, and I get bogged down in stress and cortisol releases and nastiness, right? Just yuck. So, on Tuesday, my computer's messing up, and I've been going back and forth to the Microsoft store to try and get it fixed, and, and so I schedule an appointment for 9.30. That's right, when they open, and if you're the first one, you don't have to wait. And so I schedule an appointment for 9.30. So it's like I go, if I wait till 8, I won't have time to do the emails. And so I broke my rule, and I started working on emails. Well, the first thing I want to tell you is, I started off with probably, I don't know, in the morning I'd usually have from 10, 15 emails. Well, just understand that after about an hour and a half, I had about 30. Okay? So it was going up. And everything I was doing was like that little thing, you know, when there's that little tiny thing and then you put a little drop of water on it and it just starts to grow. <laughs> everything I was touching was poop that was growing. <laughs> Sorry. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so it was just one of those days, you know what I'm saying? You know, so I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm so discouraged. And I'm just like, but I got to go because I got to work on the computer because we're taking off next week and, and go see my grandbaby. So praise God for that. But, but the bottom line is I walk over to, to Microsoft and I show up at 930 promptly. Who are you? Kurt Brunk. And they say, you don't have an appointment. And I say, of course I have an appointment. Look, here's my calendar. And here is what you do when you set an appointment at the Microsoft store. The last little button tells you, do you want to put this in your calendar? And I said, yes. And so I said, see, that's the thing that I had to push. I can't get that on my calendar unless you put it there. You put it there. There's everything you need to know that you put it there. And he said it that gently. Yeah, I said it that gently. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have an appointment. But, you, but, 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 but and I'm being embarrassed because I'm, I'm trying to be nice because I don't want to be a, just a total jerk. But I'm like, he's, the guy is being, he's being... He's got a smile on his face, but, you know, it's a movable object, okay? You don't have an appointment. I'm going, well, you don't have an appointment, but I do, <laughs> right? So I'm pressing the guy, and finally I say, oh, you know, well, what do I have to do? And he says, well, you'll just have to wait. We'll work in when we can. What does that mean? Well, if somebody doesn't show up. And I said, does that happen very often? He says, no. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, just wait. And I'm like, I can't wait. I got this day. You don't understand what I've got to do. And, and but I, so I go over and I find a little spot and I'm trying to work. And once again, every email, phone call, anything I do, it's that drop of water on the thing that grows. So it's just going very poorly. And finally, this manager comes over and it's very clear to me that I'm being completely shined on because this guy knows nothing about tech support. I don't even know if he's a manager. I think they finally just said, get rid of that guy. So I went over there and he, he, he listened to what I was saying. He knew nothing about what I was saying. He didn't know anything about the tech of it at all. And, and finally he just, you know, he just said, I'll set you up an appointment for tomorrow at three o'clock. And I was like, fine, knowing that I wasn't gonna keep it because what was I gonna do? I, maybe I'd come, but I won't have time and blah, blah, blah. So I just walk out the door. Now, this puts me at about 10.30 to 11 o'clock. How many people in this room can tell me what was happening on Tuesday morning from 10.30 to about 11.30, 12? What was happening here in Seattle? This would be fairly easy for you, even if you weren't in it. It was raining. But I mean, it wasn't Seattle rain. It wasn't a little drizzle rain. I, I, man, I Gore-Tex up. I know how to walk in the rain. 
You know what I mean? I'm Gore-Tex to the max. I can, I've been walking in the rain for years here. There's no problem. So I'm fully Gore-Tex. I go out there. It is raining so hard that after about 45 minutes of it, every, all my Gore-Tex just says, I give. <laughs> and I just soaked through. I mean, it was just, it was just, there was just sheets of rain just and the wind was blowing it in on me all the harder and it was cold and I'm sitting here I'm like I feel like I'm this drowned dead rat walking on my walk right and I'm just going this is horrible what a terrible day it's not even noon <laughs> so I just want to tell you this is a little bit of a side story but because of the blessing that you guys gave I, I tried to deposit the check my camera and there was a problem with it so I had to put it in my pocket and I'm thinking, it's fine, Gore-Tex, it's not going to get wet. I've been walking for years, it's never gotten wet. I go to the bank to deposit, I reach in my pocket, and I go, oh, crap. <laughs> I pull out, I, I said, you've got to watch this, because if it rips, you're going to see it rip right now. And I pull out this thing that is just, you know, just, it's just, it's barely pulp still. <laughs> and, and I said, you touch it, I'm not touching it, because I'm going to touch it, it's going to rip, you won't take it. And I need to deposit it. And so the guy, the guy gets a paper clip and he, and he works it and works it and, he starts to, and it starts to rip. And so he works it and he works it. And I'm thinking it's going to be all. But finally they get it apart. And sure, this is the only good thing that happened the whole day. It was literally pulp that was going to fully dissolve within about another 10 minutes. And they went ahead and took it. So praise God, right? That was my one praise God for the day. But let me tell you the not praise God. On my walk... Because it was a different kind of a week, I'm wanting to have, I want to get the sermon written on Wednesday. I never do that. I usually take the whole week to pray about it, and I write it on Thursday and then Sabbath on Friday. But this week, we had the Sabbath on Thursday and because we, we had something going on Friday that we had to do. And it was wonderful, but we had to do it, so it wasn't Sabbathy. So the point was, is I was going, I don't really want cortisol in me Wednesday, Thursday. And boy, you know, God, if you could get it to where I could write the sermon on Wednesday, that'd be great. If you can't, it's okay, but that'd be great, right? So I get a little something on Monday. I go out on Tuesday. I'm walking on my, I was going to say, I came out like turd day. That's about right. <laughs> so I go out and I'm walking on my walk. And sure enough, everything I thought about on Monday is not God and it's not going to work and it's nothing. And then I'm asking, well, what is it? I'm really hoping he'll download because I, you know, I need a couple of days to pray and cogitate and understand what it is before I could ever write it. And so I'm, I'm out there on Tuesday, and it's literally just this total exercise in futility. For at least 35, 40 minutes, I'm walking. I took an extra long walk in the rain as a dead rat, hoping that I would get something. I'm walking along. It's, it's like every five minutes I get, well, that's a good idea. And then I start to play with it a little bit and think about it and pray about it. And nah, it's not God at all. So I literally end the day with... No idea of what the prayer is. Absolutely none. Not one clue. And I'm going, oh, this is great. And so I tell Julie, well, I, you know, I thought we were going to have Friday. We're not. So change your schedule and blah, 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 and everything else. And then I come home and I, I do more of the water on the thing. It's, it's, so the rest of the day is just that, right? Every task I try. If I make a phone call that should have taken five minutes, an hour and a half later, I'm still on it. If I'm, you know what I mean? If I'm doing something, whatever I did, it caused more work. When Julie came home, she said, how was your day, honey? And I said, the worst. I said, I fully believe that I could literally just go through my task list and just delete every single 50 tasks that are in there. I could delete all 50 of them. 
And then when I opened the program up again, there would be 60 on there. So that's Tuesday. This is not a day of blessing or favor or God, right? No. But so I go to Wednesday. Now I wait till eight o'clock, but I've gone on my walk a little earlier. And I'm out on my walk, and all of a sudden, God starts talking to me. And he says, this is what the sermon is, and here's the whole thing. And it was just a complete download. Just boom. So much so that I actually called Julie, and I said, you know, the plans that we had for today cancel them. I think he gave me the sermon, and I think I can write it on Wednesday now. Which, this is just, you just have to understand how unusual this is. For me, I would never do this. But it was just so clear. I know what a sermon feels like when it really is the sermon and when it really is fully cooked. And this was fully cooked. And so I, I came home and sure enough, bam, just wrote it. I was done like at noon. I'm never done at noon. And then I went, gee, let's see what happens with the task. And so I went into the task and sure enough, everything I touched, ding, 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 check marks galore of all the tasks that were getting done. And then that night, we got to go to a play down at Taproot Theater with Janice and had a little Christmas dinner with her and a little special time. And it was just a magical day. It was a, it was a blessed day, right? Now, we're talking about blessing, and I want you to just think about that. Okay, which one of those days would you call blessed, right? And here's what we would think to ourselves. Now, watch this. Well, the reason why Tuesday was so screwed up was because you didn't obey the Lord at the very beginning of the day. Now, I want to say something. That's true. If you don't understand that there's a dynamic of that going on, it's always more complicated than that simple. But if you don't understand that that's in play, you just don't get anything. It, I did. I messed up, and it put me off wrong. I do want to say it feels like I messed up a little, and it feels like I paid huge. <laughs> right? And I don't want to blame God for all of that. And I think most of us sort of know that, no, we messed up and some of that. But you see, now watch what's happening. See in our head right there. I earned it. I did something wrong, and so what happened to me, I deserved. You see it? Now tell me what I did on Wednesday to get the blessings that I did. Because I don't think I did anything to earn it. Did I? I obeyed. I love you, Paul. <laughs> the answer is yes. I'm getting the benefit of it right now. <laughs> but the point is, that thing that we do in our heads where we're always assigning blame based on us. Blame or benefit based on us. So I want to do something with you about blessing and favor. I want to show you something about them. And the first thing I want to show you is the difference between blessing and favor. I've talked about this before. I'll do it fairly fast. I'm down in L.A. I'm writing in Hollywood. I've given it three years to know whether or not I should keep going. And at the end of the three years, I've had the best career of any writer I knew down there. And I knew lots of writers. I'd had the best career of any writer I knew down there that did not make it. And 99 out of 100 don't make it. 99 out of 1,000 don't make it. And I had the best career. I had more opportunities. I had more things where it would have been so simple for God to just say, boom, there it is. And then I would have been in. And once you're in in writing, there's a funny dynamic down in Holland. But once you're in, it doesn't really matter if you're good or not. You're, you're in. It's just how it works. It, it has a lot to do with if, if somebody hires you and you're brand new and you don't work out, then it's on them. But if somebody else hired you 
and then they hire you, well, then it's on the person that hired you the first time. So there's just this dynamic that happens. And so at the end of three years, I knew that God wasn't going to bless the writing. He made it very clear to me, and I was okay with that. I was like, this is cool, no problem. But what am I supposed to do now? I'm talking to a pastor. The pastor says, I find when things don't work out, a lot of times people are running from something. Immediately, the thought that came to my mind was, I'm a seminary graduate. I've never preached. I told him, oh, I've never preached. He said, fine, you're preaching Sunday. This was like on Tuesday, <laughs> Sunday night, but Sunday. And I was like, well, all right. You know what I mean? And sure enough, I was, I was not even this far. I was like to the first step away from the podium. And that three or four steps, when I got up out of that chair to preach for the very first time in my life, as I was walking up there, God told me, this is what you'll do for the rest of your life. And I didn't just hear that. It was like a car wreck. <laughs> I don't mean, to, don't mean to associate my calling with a car wreck, but some may do that. But the point is, is I had all of these thoughts just flood my mind in an instant. Everything that had ever happened to me was going to be used. Now, here's what I want to say. Every single thing that God said in those three or four steps has come to pass. I still am here 30-plus years later. Now, I realized that this is what I was supposed to do, and I realized the church had no money. So what I did is, is I wrote some friends, and I said, I want to start working for the church, but they don't have any money. They can't pay me. But, I, but they're, they're willing to take me on and give me a position, but I got to raise my own support, and we got enough support to get by. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't, you know, we were very much struggling financially, but we, but we had enough to eat, and we had enough to keep shelter, right? So get, thank you, God. And so I started working for the church for free. Now, here's what happened. This is my first. I've been ministering for years, but not formally. Now, all of a sudden, I'm doing every single Sunday night, and there's getting to be quite a crowd. A lot of people are coming to Sunday night. So a lot of people are starting to ask me for advice. So now I'm scheduling meetings to talk to people who need help. And when they do that, people will usually come up to you and they'll say, I'd like to talk to you about my marriage. I'd like to talk to you about my finances. I'd like to talk to you about my job. I'd like to talk to you about... But they tell you what it's about. And what I'm thinking to myself whenever they tell me what it's about, what do I have to say about that? But I know something, because I've been ministering for years, I know that if you're willing, God will do something. So I schedule the meeting, and sure enough, like we sit down at the meeting, and I'm praying in the Spirit silently as they're talking. I'm really listening, but I'm praying in the Spirit. God, what would you say? And then all of a sudden, at some point in the conversation, he'll give me this thing to say. And I'll say this thing. And it'll be a word of wisdom or knowledge or a healing or a miracle or a word from the Lord and some prophetic or whatever it is. It'll be something, and it makes this huge difference in this person's life. And they go away different than what they walked in, right? It's not always instantaneous, but, there's, but it always is happening. Every single time it's happening. And, and, and I'm walking into groups where there's like issues. You, you do know that when there's groups of people in a church, sometimes there's issues, right? If you work in this church, you definitely know that happens because we actually, we don't promote it, but we let it happen because we believe it's part of God training us, discipling us. And so the point is there's conflict. And so now I'm walking into a room where there's people that are really mad at each other, not, not godly and churchy at all, but just really mad at each other and everything else. And I'm walking in there, praying in the spirit what's supposed to happen, and then God shows what's supposed to happen, and then you start to do that. And then all of a sudden, not necessarily every time on the first time, but a lot of times, the people walk out, and they're not just walking out going, oh, well, okay, I'll do whatever, like this way. They're walking out where God did a miracle, and they're like connected more to the person because of the incident. That's why I believe in it. Okay, I don't, I'm not trying to ever create conflict. That's just stupid. 
But I'm not afraid of conflict because I know that when people get through conflict, they get closer. Right? Being in the foxhole. So I'm experiencing blessing, as a, as a friend used to say. He said, you're living in the blessing. So I'm living in the blessing. Blessing, 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 blessing. I mean, I'm living in, it's like everywhere I'm walking and doing and everything. This is the most fun I've ever had in my life by far. And I've had a lot of fun in my life. And this surpasses and transcends everything. It spoils me forevermore because I'm going, why would you ever do anything else but this? This is the most incredible thing to just be able to help people. And I'm not saying you have to quit your job to get there. I was doing it the other way too. But this is so great. I'm so thankful to God. It's so wonderful. And I do this for about a year and I get to where a lot's happening and then all of a sudden something happens. And what happens is a person will come up to me and they'll say, I need to talk to you about whatever. And we'll make the appointment for a couple of days later or however long it is. But between the time that they talk to me about setting the appointment and we set it and the time that we actually get together, God has moved in their life and fixed the problem completely, redeemed it, does what he only can do, that resurrection miracle that he can do in things. And so they come and they say, I want to cancel the meeting, but I have to tell you the story. So now I'm not doing anything but just celebrating with them. And now I'm walking into meetings where there's like three or four different factions and there's all this tension and all these politics. And all of a sudden, I walk into the meeting and the, the first person will raise their hand and they'll say, listen, I gotta tell you something. Before, here's what happened and here's what I felt about it and here's how it felt to me and I was mad about it and it was upsetting and everything else. But then, God did this. And now I see it totally differently and I totally have this other, and this is how I feel about it now. And the other person goes, that's amazing because God did the same thing with me. And the other person will say that. And all of a sudden, it just becomes a party. And all of a sudden, after about three months of this, I started realizing that every single situation I was walking into, God had gone before me and fixed, and I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing much before, just praying in the Spirit and being obedient to whatever he said. But I wasn't even having to do that anymore. He was doing everything. And I was just... And what he did was, it lasted for a long time. And what he did was, he said, I wanted to show you the difference between blessing and favor. Because there's a difference. Blessing is, I'm living in the blessing. I can disqualify myself, but if I'm not disqualifying, I, when I'm living in the blessing, there's blessing, blessing, blessing. Favor is God walking before you and just doing everything. Now, watch this. So what we're talking about is favor. Now watch, see, it wasn't anything I did, that first story about what did you do to earn or deserve it. The first thing you have to do is that you do have to step out and show up. You have to want to be used by him. I need to say something. You won't experience this kind of blessing and this kind of favor if you're not willing to get in the middle of something. If you're not willing, when the person says, I'm sick, if you're not willing to say, may I pray for you. When the person tells you there's a problem in their marriage, if you're, if you're not willing to say, can we get together and talk? Do you want some help? If you're not willing to try, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to experience this. It doesn't happen sitting, in the, sitting on your chair watching a show. Right? But then, and it's not paradoxical, but it's close to it. Then when you show up, you got to get out of his way. <laughs> you got to make sure that you don't muck it up, right? 
You just got to lay down everything that's about you so that he can do whatever he wants to do. Now, I'm, I'm writing this sermon, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about this is what favor is, and this is what you have to do. But I'm going, yeah, but really, both of those things are kind of, oh, I'm sorry, get out of his way. Uh, John the Baptist says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And, and I would say it this way. The more I make a point to decrease, the more he can increase. I was going to show when I... I was going to have this great big, you know, those uh, lemonade containers, the great big lemonade containers. And then down at the very bottom, not a spout out, but a spout at the bottom that you just put your cup in and push the little thing up, and then the lemonade comes out in your cup. I was going to get one of those, and I was going to put a whole bunch of sand that was you. And then I was going to say, you see, there's no room for God in here when you're filled up with yourself. And then I was going to start pushing the bottom, but when you let yourself get emptied, like Christ did, then there's more and more room to pour in a different color sand. God's color. Nice image, right? But it wasn't because I was going somewhere else, so you just got the benefit without having to do all that stuff. Kelly Tompkins, you can thank me later. <laughs> now, but the point is, is that what I started realizing is being willing to show up and getting out of his way, that's no different between blessing and favor. It's really in both of these. You got to do that same thing in both of these. And so I started working on it. God, is there some difference between them? And I thought about it and prayed about it. And I came up with this one, which was you have to radically embrace that you're unmerited. Let me say something. You know the easiest way to empty yourself is to understand both truths about yourself that you are totally without merit, totally and completely and utterly. You are a sinner, you do sully everything you touch. His, what he wants to do is so much greater than you, it doesn't matter. All of that is, is true. You have to get this. You have to understand how unmerited you are because it helps empty you, right? And then you get filled up with God's stuff. And then you can feel really good about yourself, but not really yourself. You can just feel really good. So that wasn't really it. So then I went to, this is kind of like number two, only said, give up control, give him your agenda, be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to do that. But the more I thought about it, the more what I realized was is all of these things are just being in the blessing. See, if I don't do these things, if I'm not willing to show up, if I'm not willing to get out of his way, if I don't radically embrace so that I can empty myself, if I don't give up control and be led by the Holy Spirit, if I don't do all of that stuff, what happens is, is that I am taking myself out of the blessing. But that still doesn't give me a difference between blessing and favor. Now, I missed a couple scriptures, so let me just show them to you. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Even Jesus did this get out of the way thing. I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So here's all these things, and I'm looking at all these things, and I'm saying, I don't understand God between blessing and favor. I want to try and help people understand how to walk in favor. And then guess what he does? He says, duh. <laughs> he says, think about everything you've been saying this whole sermon. Think about everything I've been having you say. You cannot earn it. Not disqualifying yourself is not earning anything. It's just keeping you in the game. Here's what I want to say. 
grace is unmerited. I can tell you how to walk in favor. I can tell you how to keep yourself from walking in favor. Walk out of his blessing. You won't walk in his favor if you do that. But if you'll just stay in his blessing, by the way, let me say something really huge right here. If you do something, and it is not God's will, besetting sin, whatever, and you think, well, I've disqualified myself, you have not, if what you do is repent. And it doesn't matter if it's the first time or the 100,000th time. It doesn't matter. If you repent genuinely, if you ask God, if you, if you make it clear, if you come back in, you come right back into blessing every single time because Jesus' blood covers you. Completely, utterly, eternally. So it's not the problem that you're having that disqualifies you and therefore you're not worth it. All you've got to do is repent. All you've got to do is come right back into that place. And once you're in that place, then all of a sudden what I saw was is I just went, oh, favor is the subset that comes out of living in the blessing continually. There just comes these moments when God just starts saying, Oh, now I can walk before you. I can start doing things. Because you're going to know what to do. You're not going to get in there and take credit for it and muck it up and do all that kind of stuff. You get what it is to stay in blessing. And so I just want you to stay in blessing so that I can start taking you into favor. And as I did that, I really feel this. I believe this with all my heart. You, you who are here and you who are streaming in, I think that this is God's Christmas gift to you. What he's trying to do is he wants to give gift to you. He wants each of us to have an experience of what favor is so that we know what it feels like. Because once you know what it feels like, you want it more and more and more. And the more you experience it, the more you want it. And the more it'll keep you emptying yourself and keep you in a place. It's not you didn't earn anything, right? As soon as you start thinking you've earned something, you've disqualified yourself, <laughs> right? But do you feel it? When you, what he wants to give us this Christmas day and throughout this new year and every new year for the rest of your life is he wants to give you something that you don't even know exists what it is to walk in his favor. Him walking before you and you just entering in there to celebrate. Think about, think about the Christianese of this. What we always say is, is, let go and let God. Or we say something like this. We say, you gotta stop so that God can. Or we say something like this. We say, you have to, you have to quit doing it yourself so that God can do it. Now those are great Christianese words. But what do they mean? This. This is what it means. You can't earn it. <laughs> you can't merit it. You can't get good enough to, got it, to get it. You are the, you are the widow's two pennies. <laughs> you gave him what you've got, which is what? You. And he wants it. And when you give him you, what he does is he says, oh, well, now they're gonna give, you're going to give me truly you Oh, I got this blessing for you. Oh, I want to pour this blessing into you. And I want to pour it in so much that at some point in time, it starts becoming favor. You walking in favor. So all you got to do is ask him for it. 
God, show me what favor looks like. Show me what it is to stay in your blessing, to not walk out of it, to stay there. And when I do walk out of it, to repent and be right back in it. Don't let Satan give me the lie that I'm not back in. Because when I repent, I am. Period. You have to believe it by faith, believe it, and live it. And then just stay here and stay in this blessing 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 until all of a sudden you start going, oh my gosh, there is such a clear path before me. I, do, I know exactly where to walk, just like Jesus said. I only go where I see him going. I only do what I see him doing. I only say what I hear him saying. You're just following him. <laughs> and you start to see it when you get to the point where you've emptied yourself so much that the only thing left is him. <laughs> and I've given you, God has given you from last week, a card we wrote on. And if you didn't get that card, you didn't write it, you can write it on any slip of paper right now. I said, take somebody who needs the love that we learned about last week and write down their name. So let me do something right here. Let me just take that and say, pray for God to show you favor, which is him moving before with somebody that you wrote down on that list. You see it? Pray for God to go before and show you something. See, now you have even the person that this is going to happen with. So Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, come. Magnificently, gloriously, spectacularly, come. God, in Jesus' most incredible, magnificent name, God, come. Show us what it is to, to, to live in you to not DQ ourselves, but to stay right in the center of you and how to get right back there anytime we do happen to step out of it. Teach us what it is to live right in the center of your will, right in the center of your blessing and to experience that blessing so much that all of a sudden we start seeing that there is a path laid before us and that we're just walking into it. God, do it through this person that we've written down in Jesus' holy and most spectacular name. God, even right now, do something. Touch them. I haven't even talked to them. Do something in that person. You do something in that person. I've got the person that's in my mind. In my mind, pray for your person. If you didn't write it down last week, it's okay. You can write it down in a second. But right now, just think about it. God, do something in their life that I didn't have anything to do with. It was just you moving, changing, fixing, healing, a miracle. In Jesus, holy and incredible name. Thank you, God. And let me see what it is to ride the bike that way. In Jesus' holy and precious name. Reach down in front of you and there's two cups. In the lower cup is this, is this life that we used to lead that has just gotten us so broken. In the choices that we made and the ways that we did them and the Lack of understanding and all of it, just, just broken to a million pieces. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we, we put our finger in there to recognize how badly we've broken our own lives. And now, in Jesus' name, we lift this cup up in full view of the cross. Where Jesus, you healed it. By your stripes, you made us whole. Thank you, God. Thank you. 
In Jesus' name, take this cup together. And now, Jesus, on this Christmas, we remember, Jesus, that you came to show us what life could look like. When we actually walk like you do, doing only what you see the Father doing, saying only what you see him saying. When we do that, that's just such a brilliant life. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You've already given us everything for this life to take place. So knowing now a little bit, just a glimpse of what it looks like, we lift this cup unto you and we say in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, let that life that you've already got for me, let me start living it in fullness. In Jesus' name. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you kind of messed up that last one. Merry Christmas. <laughs> there you go. Ushers, come on forward. Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we pour out our gifts unto you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pour these out in thanksgiving and praise understanding ever more deeply who you are in Jesus name here take thank you Lord in Jesus name as they're collecting it let me say one quick thing I sent out an email and a Facebook you might not have seen it but just just understand that for most of the people in this room there will be a benefit to accelerating your go ahead and pass the baskets guys but there will be a benefit to accelerating your tithing now, you don't have to do that because, you know, it doesn't matter. Just tithe the way that you normally tithe. I just want you to be aware of that. If you don't know what that means, just let me know and I'll send you the thing on it. It's just, you know, we want to stretch our dollars as much as we possibly can. It's, that's the only reason I bring it up. It actually is more complicated for us the other way, but bottom line, okay? Merry Christmas. Love you very much. <laughs>